maybe just allowing ourselves to be open to opportunities. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times we're under, we put ourselves under so much pressure that I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this career. I'm going to set up this business. This is going to be my niche. This is going to be who I'm working with. These things change and they change organically over time. Before this episode starts, I have a small favor to ask from you. If you've ever liked any of our video podcasts we've posted on our YouTube channel, whatsnext.com, would you just hit the subscribe button? It helps the channel more than you may know. And the bigger the channel gets, the easier it is to find great guests. Thanks a lot and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inside Out Career Design Podcast. My name is Nicola Vetter. And I'm here with my co-host and husband, Peter Extel. And our guest today is Samantha Pilling. Samantha was an early digital media evangelist, surfing the dot-com boom and crash of the late 90s, and today specializing in Facebook ads. She did it both, working as an employee and as a serial entrepreneur in two very different industries. If you have ever contemplated becoming an entrepreneur, we talk with her about the reality of what being an entrepreneur means. Let's tune in and listen and learn from Samantha. Okay, welcome Sam. We're happy to have you with us today and as you may or may not know, I'm an Anglophile. So I, I lived in England from see, 1970 to 1976 as a professional musician, touring around all over the UK and stuff. Hmm. So I so England's kind of my, my, my second home. And actually, our band got signed to Chrysalis Records at Oxford University oh, wow. Wow. in 1970. So I have great love of, of the UK, and it's kind of my, <laughs> my second home. So we're really happy to see you. And so do I, yeah. because I went to boarding school <laughs> in York as a teen, long, long ago. Oh. Yeah. Okay, welcome. <laughs> we are really happy to have you here with us. Now, you are a digital media evangelist, helping businesses since 2000 with their social media and digital marketing strategies and, and the implementation. But you also stepped into the bakery business for over three years in between. And you've an interesting mix of having been employed and being an entrepreneur. We would love to dive into all of your adventures, of course. <laughs> but before we do, tell us what were those moments in your life and career where you really had to sit down and had no choice but to figure out what's next for you. We call them the what's next moments and you can just begin as far back as you want. <laughs> um, I think there are probably three big ones. Um, the first being when, I'd, as you say, I've, I've been in the digital space for, oh my goodness, about 23 years I've been doing digital marketing and had been working in corporate and some big corporate names and kind of was really tired of doing that London commute, working for someone else, um, being quite, I had some amazing roles, some great positions. So don't get me wrong, I really loved what I did, 
but I kind of kind of felt a little bit hemmed in and I got to the point where do you know what? I just need a change I need to get out of this industry I've, I'm tired of marketing I'm tired of advertising I'm tired of London agencies I need to do something different and I was pregnant with my third child and um so without a job to go to I and having spoken to my husband he was in total agreement with me to do this handed my notice in and was going to work out what I was going to do and that's when I kind of just fell into baking I literally just started making some cakes started enjoying it a couple of people noticed and um, bought cakes from me I then realized I, it wasn't going to be a living while I was just kind of selling cakes to mums at the school gate and then started to supply local shops and then realized, okay, no, that's never going to make me a, a, an income and then started to sort of specialize in top end wedding cake. So it, it wasn't anything that I purposefully did. I fell into it and then kind of got, I suppose, carried away with it, shall we say. So that was probably the big, the first big one. How do you fall into cakes? <laughs> I know that probably is a bit of a wrong way of saying it, but um, I, th I think it was just, I'd, I've now got in my head me literally falling into cakes. But um, I, th I think it is that just sometimes in our lives, don't we find ourselves just having a fork in the road and going, do you know what, let's just see what happens if I follow this path and let's see where it leads me. Um, to cut a long story short, I actually ended up leaving the cake industry because it wasn't right for me. <laughs> but uh, we can talk about that in a sec. But yes, I've now got images of me falling in cakes. <laughs> See, <laughs> there we go. No, I what I really am curious about because it is so for me so counterintuitive. You work in advertising, marketing for so long, ever since your 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 college years i guess yeah and yeah. and then all of the sudden this shift can't be because you were pregnant only <laughs> all no. this, this shift into <laughs> cakes out of all things that would have been possible i know i know i know i think i think it was that kind of craving to do something a little bit more creative so even though i was in advertising and marketing before it wasn't really the kind of creative end of it and so I had this kind of yearning to do something. And I think as well, it was a little bit me kind of like throwing my toys out of the pram that I'd, I'd had enough. I didn't want to do this anymore. I just wanted to get out of the industry. And it just kind of presented itself to me. And so I kind of threw, whenever I do anything, I, I don't do it by half. So I throw myself into, into every single course I can possibly buy. So I sort of like to call sorts of courses with kept on sort of like traveling around the country, going to different cake decorators to learn from them. And, um, do you know, in the, in the, in the early days of it, absolutely loved it. But I do think there was also this element of the London commute was keeping me away from home. And I was kind of getting up at half six in the morning, not getting home from work until eight o'clock at night. I had two children already. And I think the cakes was also partly something that I, misguidedly <laughs> thought was actually going to fit around the family. The reality was it, it was the polar opposite. Okay. So you had to get up at four o'clock in the morning now, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just draw the picture oh, a little bit for yeah. us and we so won't spend too he... much time on, on the cakes. I promise. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm curious. So, so yeah, so something that you think is going to fit around your family, um, 
and a lot, I think a lot of people are attracted to industries where they think it's gonna they can work the hours they want to work and they can pick the hours that they want to choose but in the reality with something like cakes if you're doing consultations with clients if you're delivering cakes those people are likely to be working themselves and they're likely to be working Monday to Friday nine to six jobs so the only times they can speak to you is in the evening at the weekends the deliveries were weddings were birthdays those parties tended to be in the evenings and at weekends so what went from this kind of career job business that was going to fit around family quickly turned into a job that was it was like 80 hour weeks so i was working all hours i was working evenings i was working weekends um, and there is literally two years of my kid's life, like literally photos from two years where I am noticeably absent because I would have been in London, you know, there's a, a building in, in London um, called the Gherkin and, you know, driving into central London, going, having to go through security, going up and delivering a wedding cake to the Gherkin, coming back down again, driving back out of London, you know, it would be about a four hour turn around just to deliver a cake so there were quite a few photos of without me in the pictures you know i think you we're going to talk about this a little bit later in this conversation about what it's like to be an entrepreneur but i think what you're pointing out here is you have this this image i'm going to make these cakes and then all the little details that maybe you just didn't realize what the reality is we're going to cover yeah. that in a mm -hmm. in a little bit but you also drew yeah. some there were some parallels between marketing and between cake baking because that, about how you there were some elements of both talk, talk. yeah absolutely so um and it kind of brings me i suppose to my next pivotal mo moment in my career and that was um i sat down i'd, I'd been doing the cake business for two or three years and I sat down with my business coach and just said to her, look, you know, on the surface, this cake business is really, really successful because of my marketing background, because of my, you know, advertising, etc. I, I'd actually grown the business to the point where I was in Hello magazine, I had a cake in there for a celebrity wedding, I was being asked to write for cake magazines around the world, I was interviewing cake decorators from around the world. And so although, you know, I'm, I'm not saying my cakes, my cakes were, were nice, but I certainly wasn't the best cake designer or cake decorator in the world by a long shot. I mean, some of the artistry that you see was phenomenal. But what I did have was that marketing and advertising and PR background where I kind of knew how to get the cakes in front of people, how to get exposure and to get into magazines. I mean, give you a simple one is I just got chatting to an ed editorial team on one of the cake magazines and would ask them in advance what features they would have each month. And they would have blue cakes one month and they would have floral cakes another month and they would have hand painting another you know another month and i would just literally tee up all the cakes i'd made that were in that space or even if i hadn't i'd go away and make some on dummy cakes and then i would bombard them with photos and it was helping the editors out because they had to fill pages and so you would literally open my open these magazines and my cakes would be on oh there was one magazine that had something like 26 cakes in one magazine because I had that marketing background, I knew to how to help the editorial team. And so that's what I did. Um, however, so as I, as I was saying, I sat down with my business coach and said, hey, look, you know, this, this business is looking really, really successful on the surface. However, it's not working for me with my family. 
I'm surprised my husband is still even talking to me, let alone hasn't walked out because I've, I've, number one, I've not been around. When I am around, I'm distracted or I'm stressed. I am falling into bed at three o'clock in the morning covered in icing sugar and not in a sexy way. I'm shattered. I was just horrible to live with. And I said to her, but not only am I not there and I'm really stressed, but I'm actually not making any money either. So I can't turn around to my husband and say, hey, look, I'm making a fortune. Let's kind of suck it up for five years and we'll pay off the mortgage and I'll set us up, honey, and we can retire to the Caribbean. I wasn't even making the money. So she said to me, okay, well, what is it about your business that you really love? Well, it's, it's ironic. I really love the marketing and the PR and I love getting my name out there and I love growing the business. And she said, well, why don't you do more of that? Well, I can't, I'm always in the kitchen or I'm always in the cake studio baking. She said, so stop baking. Oh, oh. <laughs> what a revelation. Oh, a blinding, yeah, oh, yeah. A blinding flash of the obvious. <laughs> no. And the thing was, my whole family had really, my family is really supportive. They're lovely. And they tried to be saying that to me and tried to say kind of, maybe you should go back to marketing. You don't want to listen to your family, do you? You don't want advice from your family as much as you love them. So it took her out. Well, you know what this makes me think of, Samantha, when you talk about how you like the marketing and getting getting your name out there. So, you know, our audience is trying to figure out what's next. Trying, that may be that they are they are going to maybe think about being an entrepreneur. We're gonna, again, we're going to talk about that later. Or they're going to go back to some work, job or they're going to get a paycheck. But they're trying to figure out internally how, what makes them tick and what their purpose and what they care about. And then they're going to go out and start doing testing to see what possible careers that they might like to do. So that's interesting when you say about how you went out and you did some PR and you did some marketing. This makes me think, how would a person apply some of the principles that you're talking about? So with over 2.9 billion people using Facebook every day, would you consider for example, Facebook be an ideal place to go on a job hunt or is is it is LinkedIn more for professionals? So it depends on what you mean by trying to find a job. If you are literally trying to find a job, then of course LinkedIn is the platform to go to. This is the platform where people are doing business and they're connecting for business. Now that isn't to say that business isn't done on Facebook. There's B2B, there's B2C. Essentially, it's it's people to people, so it's building connections. Um, so it depends on what kind of like what you mean by that. That said, I get clients from Facebook. So <laughs> that's interesting. Oh. So so do you have some some tips or tricks about how to to, to connect with someone via Facebook? What is the protocol or what is the proper way to do that? So, well, the first thing I'd say is I, I've got a vested, in, vested interest in, in terms of the agency that I run. We only do paid advertising on Facebook and on Instagram. So I can talk about those platforms. However, what I would say is I know a lot of people that absolutely hate Facebook with a passion. If that's how you feel, don't spend your time on Facebook. 
go and find a platform that you're happy and comfortable on. Yes, you can expand, expand to other platforms later. And I know that's kind of probably contradictory and probably quite controversial because most marketers will say, find out where your audience is and then go there first. If your audience is on a platform that you absolutely hate, that's going to come across and you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to get very far with your business. So Twitter, I'm sorry, I'm, I know there's ton of people that do really, really well on Twitter. I personally hate it. It feels like I'm opening the back door and shouting out into the garden. I just don't like the platform. Um, so I, I haven't, I've got an account on Twitter. I've probably haven't used it for about five years. So don't try and connect with me on Twitter, by the way, <laughs> you won't hear back from me. In fact, I don't even think I've got the app on my phone anymore. Um, so I don't hang around on Twitter because it would suck the lifeblood out of me. So that's the first thing I'd say is if Facebook isn't for you, go somewhere else. I mean, I know a lot of people who are absolutely smashing on TikTok at the moment. So pick the platform where you're really comfortable. I personally am on Facebook more than Instagram, I think because I'm probably a little bit older and therefore I've just used Facebook longer, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram and I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that in terms of outreach, I can give you the magic wand or the silver bullet and tell you if you go out and do this, this is how you're going to make connections and this is how you're going to meet people and you're going to get business really, really quickly. I think the big things for me is, first of all, is there is no, there is no formula to connecting with people. And it's just a case of being consistent and just being human and not too spammy. I mean, none of us like as soon as um, you connect with someone on LinkedIn, it's like a spam fest. You can kind of feel it coming, can't you? So no, no major secret, I'm afraid, but just be consistent on these platforms and just be human, just be yourself and just treat other people the way you'd like to be treated as well. Um, one last thing before we move on, I've got a client that we've just started working with about three weeks ago. We've been connected on, on Facebook for 10 years. We've been in not very, very closely, but we've been in each other's spheres. We've been in some Facebook groups together. We've been on some challenges together. And she literally contacted me about four weeks ago and said, time's right. I'm ready to work with you now. So don't ever underestimate just the consistency of turning up and being visible and putting out value and connecting with people. It, it can just sometimes be waiting until the time is right for people. That's really great advice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because there are so many ways how you can actually connect with people on different platforms. And it's always said that LinkedIn is the professional platform. And that's why I wanted to or we wanted to uh, have your take on on Facebook and career. I mean, if you're looking for a job, not as an entrepreneur, which I know there's a lot out there. But if you're looking for a job or if you're looking to connect with people, we say uh, we do the the um, life and career design conversations. And if you're having those conversations, then to do that on different platforms, you might need to use different different ways of approaching mm -hmm. people. Facebook is definitely less formal than LinkedIn is. So I would approach with that in mind, I would approach, I would still make the connections on Facebook. In fact, I probably make the connections on LinkedIn and on Facebook or Instagram, if that's where you're happier. And 
have it's almost like picking out who who would you love to go and work for who would you love to go and work with get yourself a list and I, I do this with clients I'll have a list of 100 people 20 people 30 people it depends you know how big a market is that you want to get into and I'll have a list of people that I would love to work with now I'm not going to jump on them and be pushy but I'll make sure that I'm adding value I'm commenting I'm being visible with them and then when the time's right, the conversation will happen. Also bear in mind um, that people are busy and it's not that they're purposely not thinking of you. It hasn't even crossed their mind that you might be able to help them in some way. So while I'm saying don't be, don't be pushy, also don't be afraid of just saying to someone, hey, look, this is what I do. I'd love to work with you one day. Timing might not be right, but can we stay connected? So. I would, I would do it across as many platforms as they are on, the people that you want to work with. And not be afraid to just speak up. Because people yeah. know, they know anyway, so just to speak up and take a chance and just say, this is what I do. Yeah. You never know. What's that saying about you miss all of the hits you don't try? I, there's some, I don't know, it's a baseball saying or something like that. I think Alan Weiss, <laughs> the famous consultant says, uh, if the, if the if you don't blow your horn, there is no music. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Especially as a Facebook ads expert, I bet you like that one. <laughs> so you are helping uh, course creators and coaches uh, generate leads and fill events and sell programs. How did you learn to to be a Facebook ads expert? I mean, is there a college degree? Well, Probably not. I um, again, kind of, it's kind of going back to my theme of falling into things in a way in that, or maybe not falling, but maybe just allowing ourselves to be open to opportunities. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times we're under, we put ourselves under so much pressure that I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this career. I'm going to set up this business. This is going to be my niche. This is going to be who I'm working with these things change and they change organically over time. And so when I closed down, I mean, it took me a year to close down the cake business because I had forward orders. And in that time I set up my, well, I set up my business, but thinking, okay, well, what do I want to do next? I know I want to go back into marketing, but what does that mean? Well, I'd like to go into social media again. I don't know which platform. So when I started out, I, I offered organic social media. So I was posting for small businesses and I was posting on Facebook. Um, actually, I don't think Instagram, I think it was Facebook, Twitter, which I hated, um, LinkedIn and Pinterest back then. So I was posting for people and I was working with small businesses. So I was trying to work out which platforms I liked and who I liked working with. And I did that for, for sort of quite a while and that then kind of migrated and, and changed. And I, mean, I also, my, my husband at the time had a big events company. So I was helping him with the marketing on that as well. So I think for a long time, I wasn't, I wasn't really focusing on growing my business until, um, this date will probably be familiar with pretty much everyone around the world, but March, 2020, when the world closed down and I lost all of my clients and my husband didn't have his events business anymore and we both needed to earn money and neither of us had a job <laughs> we were both working for ourselves and I lost all of my clients um it that also forced my hand in a way to decide what I wanted to do 
Um, so I sat down, one of my friends is a very senior marketer at Coca-Cola. And I said to her, look, can you help me out? I haven't had a CV for a long time. Um, a resume, is it CV or a resume with you guys? It's a CV over here, resume. Okay, so I haven't had a resume for years. And even the last couple of corporate jobs I'd had, I'd been headhunted. So I'd had a resume, but it wasn't really that good or polished. I hadn't really put any effort into it. And so I said, to her, I'm going to have to get a job. I know it's the worst time ever to go and get a job, but I'm going to need to get a job. We've got bills to pay. We've got a mortgage. You know, we've got three kids going to need to bring some money in. And it took us three weeks and she was just wonderfully, brutally honest. You know, that person that you need that is not going to, you know, soft soap you. They tell you they're not going to say, oh, that's lovely or oh, that's great. And then you come out with a, a, a dreadful resume. She was brutal with me. Amazing woman. Absolutely amazing. And it took us three weeks. And I have this beautifully polished CV, which interestingly, I couldn't find. <laughs> So this is telling you something what happened next. So this CV has never seen the light of day. I have never sent it to a single business because when I put that last like dot on an I, the last cross of a T on it, I realized that I didn't want to go and work for someone else. I didn't want to go back into corporate and I would have to turn this around and I would have to pull my finger out and turn this business around and start bringing some money in. So. I'm, I'm actually very, very grateful. I appreciate and will park some horrible personal experiences that some people had through COVID. Um, but for me and my business, it was actually probably the best thing that ever happened to it because it, it was that circuit break in the business that made me think, yes, I do want to do this, but okay, let's take the opportunity to think, who do I want to work with and how do I want to work with them? And what kind of a service do I want to offer? What does that look like? And then because I had no clients, I didn't have to sell it to anyone. And I started again and it's um, it's been fantastic. It's been really good. I'm, I'm working with the people that I want to work with. That's a fantastic story, Samantha. So mm. I, I want to make sure I have this correct. So you said you worked for three weeks with this wonderful woman. On your on the perfect CV yep. that you yep. never <laughs> sent, but you know we're we're joking, but it's, it's kind of profound that you get to the end of the CV and that there's something about that that gives you this insight. Something goes off in your head yeah. and you say, "Oh, this is a message," I'm, and you were paying attention, and they gave you this. I, I can't, I can't do this. When I speak to her about it now, and I didn't realize this at the time because it wasn't conscious, she said working with me on it was like pulling teeth. She said, I just couldn't get the information out of you. And I did not purposefully do that at all. But obviously it was something kind of subconscious, something deep down inside that was saying to me, this isn't the direction you want to go in. Don't do this. So, um, but as I say, I, I did try to find the CV, but the fact that I don't even, I can't even find it on my computer now tells you how little regard I have for it and how I don't ever plan to use it. <laughs> And we were going to show it on Touch the screen, with. the screen here for anybody who's watching this on YouTube. So, I, we're going to go to the next place I want to go to. I'm very interested about this. Is that a certain amount of our audience is might be wondering, should I try to be an entrepreneur? So we are entrepreneurs. We actually know what it's like. But we, I want to hear what your take is on the 
actual reality of being an entrepreneur, what you thought it would be like and what it is actually like for people who are considering not going back and getting a regular paycheck, but being an entrepreneur. What's your take on it, please? How long have you got? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can spend some time here because I think this is a, I think this is something that people really, really need to know. Okay. Well, first of all, I'll say there is, um, I suppose, some context in my background. So I grew up in a family of what would now be classed as entrepreneurs. But you know, I'm a child of the '70s, and I don't even think that term was used back in the '70s. So my granddad had his own business. Then my dad and my uncle joined the business. It was the family business, although that sounds like the mafia, doesn't it? But it was the family business. Um, it wasn't the mafia, by the way. Um, and then my auntie and my mum joined the business and then my brother did and then like cousins and uncles. And so there were a lot of the family, a lot of the family were working in, in this business. And I, um, when I was at school, I would work there on Saturdays and I would in the summer holidays in university, I would work there as well and et cetera. So I, I never wanted to work for the family business, but I, it was always there. And on top of that, I mean, my mum was born 50 years too, too early. She has set up multiple businesses. She's had a catering business. The I mean, she's done, she's set up probably about four or five businesses, but one of them, the, the best one, before I come onto the seriousness of being an entrepreneur, was she bought an old, I'm going to say it was like a 19... 70s 1980s maybe even 60s or 70s one of the old ambulances that had been decommissioned and wasn't being used by our health service anymore they, she completely stripped it and she's a very very good artist and she hand painted all these fish and an octopus all over the outside of this octopus and then her and her friend her friend's husband was a fishmonger and so they went into a deal with him that they would buy fresh fish from him and they had it all stacked out with ice in the back of it and they they would literally drive around local towns selling fish out of the back of an you know an old ambulance so when kind of people ask me about entrepreneurship it's just not a strange thing for me because my parents it's kind of like what i grew up with it was more odd for me to go away and get a real job <laughs> than set up a business myself so i did you know i did go away to university and i did go into i went into tv straight out of university and digital media then then soon afterwards so it, it just wasn't a crazy idea when i had that gap of of setting up my own business now to the realities of entrepreneurship um it's your best days of your life and it's the worst days of your life <laughs> in short it's would i change it would i not do it anymore well you've heard my story about my resume so you know the answer to that but there are there are days where um very recently i'm being mentored by a, a woman in the united states who has set up two very very successful facebook ads agencies you know turning over seven eight figures i mean she's very very successful and she's mentoring me and she was talking about her team and she was talking about they'd had some issues with recruitment and they've just um yeah they've just managed well they they realized that two roles they needed to merge into one role so they got rid of one person they kept the other and then just as they'd made that decision and made the offer and that person had left, the person they kept 
handed their notice in. They've been offered a better, well, they've been offered a job for, for more money. So she was telling me about how much they'd had to up her wage by. And I sat there thinking, they're paying their members of staff more than I'm paying me. What am I doing? <laughs> I could go and work for her and get paid more. But then the second thought straight after that is, but do I want to do that? Is that what lights me on fire? Is that what gets me up every morning? Is that why I've got a big smile on my face most of the time? No. So um, in answer to your question, I would recommend it and I do wholeheartedly recommend it, but go in with your eyes open. It's tough and it's, it's a challenge every single day and you've got to brush yourself down and there are hard knocks and you lose clients and then you win clients. And it's, for me, it's about making sure that roller coaster, I'm leveling the roller coaster so that it isn't the massive highs and the massive lows. And so that I just keep it on a nice, happy, even keel rather than, yeah highs and lows. <laughs> what, what inner struggles did you have to overcome to do the work you do today? Oh, you, you name them and I've gone through them. So the whole imposter syndrome, the whole um, self-sabotage in terms of what I felt I could earn or what I felt I could bring into the business. And I still struggle with these, you know, still every single day I struggle with them and I have to tell myself off. You know, the before COVID, um, if you compare the, my business's turnover, I'm turning over five, six times what I was turning over before COVID. If you'd have told me then what I'm turning over now, I just wouldn't have believed you. I just would have said, that's, that's a load of rubbish. But then I went away and I did a lot of mindset work with a coach. I love coaching, by the way. I love being coached. And, um, and it's still, you know, it's still my new norm now i look at my new targets and i still have that that thought oh really can i do that i don't can i can i do that so i don't think those things ever fully go away i think you just become more aware of them and you know when you're triggered for them and you just have to acknowledge it and say come on you thought five years ago you couldn't make what you're making now so what how are you going to feel in another five years time so what do you think are the, the key skills and personality traits a person needs to be a successful entrepreneur? Very thick skin. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to be able to take the knocks. Um, you've got to see, here's the difficult thing as well. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to explain this properly. So I am very close to the clients that I work with. I, I absolutely love my clients to bits and I get very, very involved in their businesses and I care as much about their success as they do about theirs. So for me, it is personal. However, there are times in your business where you have to take the personal out of it and you have to go, the, that person decided not to work with me and it wasn't personal. And I can't take that as a reflection on me or on my skills or on what I said. It just didn't work out here. And then you have to brush yourself down and you have to move on. I think something else as well um, that's in the same kind of vein is allowing yourself to make mistakes. Um, I mean, we hear a lot about failing forward and things like this, but it really is about none of us are perfect. We'll all make mistakes. I made some big mistakes in my business last year. And you have to look back and say, okay, well, what can I learn from that? What was I, what lesson was I meant to learn? Okay. So that mistake cost me 
$10,000 last year. Well, at least it's not going to cost me $100,000 next year. So it is that for, you know, allowing yourself to make mistakes, forgiving yourself, brushing yourself down and learning, learning for the mistakes you make. How have you escaped the typical entrepreneur thing where you're, you're doing everything? How do you feel about delegation, <laughs> virtual assistants and on all that? I'd love to know about um, that. Okay. That's a really, really good question. Um, and something, again, I still struggle with. However, I do have a small team now, so um, I've taken the first steps. There's, especially when you build, especially like an expert business that you build around you and you are fa the face of that business, it's very difficult to kind of step, take a step away from that because you'll, I've built this business around me. I'm the face. People come to work with us because they want to work with me. Um, how I got over it was, I literally looked at my business and said, well, there's no way that I can grow. I can never get any bigger unless I start to get help. So the first thing I did was, oh, the first hire, I would recommend this to anyone. I have a VA that her only job is to read my emails and to give me a digest of what I need to respond to. The best money I have spent in my business. I've been working with her for about three years and she is going nowhere because she just reads them and I just get a list every day. Um, so that was the first step. I then took on, um, I then took, actually it was quite a big jump. I then took on two people in the business to run Facebook ads alongside me. And that was a real, I have to say that was a real challenge, but you, but you have to kind of remember, and I've certainly found this is that I have my strengths and there's some good things that I'm good at. There are better time. There are better places for me to spend my time. And actually the bits that my clients appreciate is it's not actually the pressing of the buttons on the Facebook ads. That's important. And that's what gets them the results. But the bits the clients really love working with, with me is the strategy calls. So when we sit down and we look at their business and we unravel what they do and we find out what that, you know, what is it they do that is solving lots of people's problems? And how do we turn that into a language, into a message, into an image? And there's so many of my clients who are either solopreneurs or they've got small teams. Um, even when they've got a small team, a lot of them feel quite either, I'm not sure if it's lonely in their business, but they don't feel like they've got someone to really talk about the strategy and the ideas and where they're heading, their partners probably, I know my, my husband does this. Um, I'll walk into the room and I'll start talking about Facebook ads and he'll just haze over, you know, he literally, <laughs> he's dead behind the eyes because it's not what it, he finds exciting in life. And I have to remember that. And then he also tells me about his job and I equally look dead behind the eyes as well as I like feign some kind of interest. But I think what, what the clients really love is, this having someone else to talk to having someone else that they're not always the ones that are having to come up with the ideas i mean that's the other thing entrepreneurs you feel so much pressure you're the one that's always got to think of the strategy what's next and say they love that and um going back to your question about outsourcing so then when i brought two people in to do the facebook ads alongside me it freed up my time to spend more of it with my clients doing the strategy and actually, as it turns out, one of the ladies that I brought on is really creative. She's got such an amazing eye creatively and visually 
she's fantastic. So I've really strengthened that side of the business. And the other one is an amazing strategist. She, she just loved geeking out on the conversion science behind it. And she'll come to me and she'll say, Hey, I've read this today. And how's this going to impact ads? So I think once you, once you can kind of focus on what is it really in your business that you're really good at and that you love and that your clients cherish. And then what are the other bits that you can probably find somebody better than you at doing and then bring them in. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> oh, great. No, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about the the courses that are being taught today about how to become an entrepreneur? That you know, people say, you know, be an entrepreneur and click your heels and come up with something. And everybody buys it, and you're <laughs> on the beach in Jamaica, and it's and Bob's your uncle. So, do you Whoa. think that? You, what I'm curious about is, do you think that if somebody finds a reputable course and does exactly what is being taught? that it, it will work or what else might be needed in your opinion? Look, when I changed back, when I left the cake business, I'd been out of media for a couple of years. Okay. I'd been doing it for that business, but I'd been out for it for a few years and social media changes in a heartbeat. And so I did, you know, I went and studied, first of all, I did my research and I studied with some really reputable people around the world. So I, I did my, I did my research and I found out and I did my due diligence and found some really, really good courses. Then through doing, you make mistakes and you learn. And actually that's where the biggest, I suppose the bell curve in terms of learning comes when you're actually doing it. So I'm not anti-courses and all of my clients are coaches and course creators. So I buy, I, I personally buy courses every single day. I'm totally obsessed with them. So I have nothing against courses. What, so, what I would say is do your due diligence, go away and find someone that is, is actually teaching what they're doing. So it's not just someone that pops up and is, is promises you the world, promises you a business in a box and may wave a magic wand and you've got this amazing business. Do your due diligence and just have a little bit of common sense. So this is a really timely question. I, um, I go down people's funnels all the time, all the time, because you know, I want to see how people are selling. I want to see how people are getting people onto webinars. How are they recruiting me? How are they getting me to turn up? What are they saying on the webinar? So I've constantly got a webinar or something or a course on in the background and I've always got podcasts and, and et cetera on. I went on one this week that was actually quite a big name in marketing and he was selling a business in a box um, that was setting up a marketing agency. And I have to say, I have no issues. I would recommend people, you know, if you love marketing, go away, learn how to do it, set up your business. So I have no issue with other people setting up businesses. I have no issue with competition because I think we're all different. I think we all bring something different to the table and what's right for you might not be right for the next person. I also think there's a ton of business out there. So I have no issue whatsoever with other people in this industry. And I welcome connecting with other people in this industry. But the whole premise of this business idea was that you don't even need to learn marketing. And that's what, what really kind of got my back up with it was set up something that you have no experience or interest in, and you can make a fortune and you could be making a million within a year. And this is a big name. So, um, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got mixed feelings. It depends on the course. Um, they don't tell you that 
there's this kind of field of dreams, build it and they will come that you, you only need to set this business up and finding clients will be really easy. It's not really easy. I'm sorry, but it isn't. It can be enjoyable. You know, it can be a challenge. You can do it. I'm not saying you can't find clients, but there is, especially in the coaching world, I see a lot of people qualifying to become coaches and yet there isn't any, okay, you've now qualified. How are you going to attract people into your world? And there we go. Um, I don't know whether you've seen this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Have. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you might be a good coach, but you might not be a good salesperson, right? And so yeah. what good does it do if you're a good coach and nobody knows about you? You're mm -hmm. the best kept secret, so to speak. Yeah, which is the word that always makes me cringe when people have that on their sales pages. Um, have what? Have the work, the best, we are the best kept secret. I'm like, no, you don't want to be the best kept secret. That's the last thing. You, don't you want to be, be the like, worst you, kept secret. Don't, don't be, don't be a secret at all. Let everyone know what you do and then tell them again and then let them know again what you do. <laughs> Now I'm really curious, Samantha, what teachers did you have? Who are your, who do you, who inspires you? Who do you look oh, up my to? Goodness. Probably the main one when I started out with Facebook ads was Rick Mulready. He was the one that I really kind of cut my teeth on, on ads. But then I also learned different things. There's um, Veronica Pullen. I went and learned about, I mean, she's more of a copywriter now, but it was about kind of strategy for your agency um, and more about, um, yeah, probably more kind of like business strategy. She's more of a copywriter now. Um, Blimey, it'd be more like who haven't I learned from than <laughs> I've bought everybody's everybody's courses. But the biggie for me was Rick Mulready, what back when I first started doing doing Facebook ads. But John, if well, John Loomer now is phenomenal, but he's a little bit more advanced. So um, I would not recommend him to a beginner because you'll just blow your head. He's 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 very very advanced. And we'll put all those names in the show notes as well, but you'll have to give them to us because I don't know a single person of those. <laughs> There's Emma Van Heusen as well. There's quite, I can give you lots of names. So some good people, some really good people. For those out there that are interested in turning entrepreneurs. Okay, so Samantha, we are at the end of our wonderful conversation. Wow, that went but quick. <laughs> it, it, it really did. But I would love to give you, of course, the opportunity if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you really want our audience to know. I think it does go back to the allowing yourself to find out what you want to do and not expecting to know right now and have the answers right now that it's okay to launch a business and to And to work it out as you go along. Now, I'm not kind of saying fake it till you make it. I also don't like that saying as well. I think when you're learning, you you should be honest with people and tell them that you're learning. But I, I don't think we should put ourselves under pressure that we'll have the answers from day one. Give something a go. See if there's a demand for it. See if you can get some clients and have a li just a, have a listen to the marketplace. I um, When I was in Rick Reddy's course, everyone that I was in, 
a very small kind of splinter Facebook group was telling me, don't work with coaches. They're really high maintenance. They're a pain in the bum. You really don't want to work with them. So I didn't for years until I accidentally got my first coach client. And that's it. I completely fell in love with the industry and I've never looked back. And that's the people I want to, you know, want to work with. So you will change your mind. You will, you know, your business will change organically and just be open to that and not kind of stubborn to say, no, I've made this decision. Just, just kind of like be open to the journey it's going to take you on because it is a great journey. It's a tough journey, but I honestly wouldn't do anything different. I heard a, I can't remember whether it was a bit of crap TV or where I heard this, but my my kind of like last thought or my last bit of wisdom I give to you is that every part of our life is a chapter and our book, you know, our life is a book. Our book is not made up of one chapter. It's made up of multiple chapters and we just have to accept that. And, you know, no, each one's going to be a different adventure. Let's enjoy it. We hope you enjoy this interview. To learn more about Samantha, head to whatsnext.com forward slash 31, where we share links and more. Again, that's whatsnext.com forward slash 31. And if you've gotten to the end of our conversation, I feel like I owe you a debt of gratitude, because that means you listen to the whole thing which suggests you've enjoyed it. And if you did, could you do us a quick favor and hit that subscribe button? Also, if you're trying to figure out what's next for you, join us for one of our live and completely free online workshops where we teach how to successfully reinvent your career in midlife. To save your spot in our next live workshop, go to whatsnext.com forward slash workshops. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week for another episode, same time, same place.